Well, good morning. We want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. We're excited that you're here. Uh, if you're here brand new for the very first time, man, we'd love for you to fill out one of the cards that you just tear off in your bulletin. You'd hand that to someone at the hub on your way out. And if you're uh, here visiting uh, for the first time in a little while, thanks for taking the time to come back. And, and we pray that as the body of Christ that meets here, that we not only meet here, but then we go out. And we have an impact in the world around us. We've been going through 1 Peter, and we've been going through a series called Here, There. The lives that we have here on this earth have an impact on where we're going to spend eternity. And we have a responsibility here on this earth to make the most of the time that God has given us. And so as we prepare for the there, what are we doing with the lives that we have here? And this sermon series is going to run right up to uh, Easter morning. Uh, and, and we're going to begin a new series on Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, with God of the Impossible. And as we continue to make our way through First Peter, I pray that we realize that the church that Peter is writing to in 64 AD was facing a lot of the same things that even Christians today are facing. And so as we begin this morning, I want to share with you from the life of Claudius. Now Claudius, he's a fictional character. He's an individual that uh, was, was living at the time of of this writing of First Peter around 64 AD. And, and Claudius spent a lot of his time at the temple because at the temple, he had an opportunity to sell his merchandise. He was a merchant. He was a trader. And, and as he spent time around the temple, there was always people there that were willing to, to talk to him and, and be able to purchase his, his goods. And, and as he would go through the day, he, he would work hard through the week. And as Fridays came along, he, he would finish the work week and the day's work that day, and, and he would enjoy the weekly feast sacrificing to the local gods. And there was certainly no lack of food and, and drink, and he and his friends would party late into the night. And of course, they would wake, make sure to pay homage to the relevant god or goddess, and there would be times, uh, occasional times, where he would uh, go to the temple prostitutes, and, and yet all this changed. This changed after he met a man who told him about Jesus and the Christian faith. See, Claudius, at that time, was amongst friends that he wasn't willing to admit that he was struggling with the religion of the time. He, he was dissatisfied with the Greek and the Roman gods and, and was confusing and not intellectually compelling for him. And he needed, he needed to comprehend, he needed to understand the reason for ex his existence and the, the purpose of his time here on this earth, the creation around him. And what that man, the man that told him about Jesus provided for him were answers. Answers that he longed for. And so he was baptized into Jesus Christ and he became one of the Christ followers. But this created an unexpected problem with his friends. 
He now avoided the temple feast, no longer drank all night, and he would not go to the temple prostitutes. His friends did not understand him, and no matter how much he tried to explain it, they didn't understand. And they began to abuse him and insult him in his new way of life, in his new God. His family were also extremely critical of him for abandoning the family religion. And the letter of 1 Peter was addressed to people just like Claudius. They were suffering for their faith. Not all were suffering persecution from the governing authorities, but some from their friends and pagan neighbors who were upset that they were no longer following their former way of life. And maybe you this morning can identify with this. Possibly you have created tension in your own families or with your friends because of your faith in Jesus. They cannot grasp the necessity for this commitment, nor for the reason for the ethical choices that you're making. And Peter writes these verses to bring about conviction and encouragement for such people like yourselves. And my prayer this morning as each and every one of us as we spend time in God's word that we are convicted and encouraged to leave our past behind. To leave our past behind. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, as we dive into your word, God, may you reveal yourself in a new and exciting way. Father, I thank you for those that are here. What a, what a privilege it is to come before your throne, to acknowledge your greatness in our lives. And God, it's exciting to be a part of the family here at PV. May we continue to, to encourage one another and to lift one another up, to challenge one another in our faith, that we would do more than we would ever imagine that we could do for your kingdom because of what you are doing in us. So God, we surrender everything over to you this morning. May you speak to our hearts, may our minds be open to your word, and may we receive your Holy Spirit's teaching for us today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, I'm reading from the New International Version, it says, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with this same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent time enough in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead, for this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit and if we are going to be if we're going to be people that leave our past behind as i look at these verses i think of three different things that jump out 
And the first thing is, is that we have to stop living a lifestyle of sin. If you look at verse 1 and 2 again, it says, Therefore Christ suffered in his body. Arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. See, Jesus' suffering should compel us to stop living for our own sinful, selfish desires. This word compel is this idea of forcing us. It makes us, the sufferings of Jesus should compel us to stop living the sinful, selfish desires of our past. The sufferings of Christ are a key part of this letter, if you have not noticed already. The reason for this is because Christ's sufferings are central to our Christian faith. And not only that, Peter also wants us, his readers, to identify with Christ's example. We should be so on fire for Christ that we don't have time to be involved in our past sin. It's kind of like anything that goes on in our lives. You might spend a lot of time in different seasons of your life, whether it be for us, uh, we spent, especially my wife, Autumn, she spent a lot of time scrapbooking. And that was early on when we had like one or two kids. And now that we have seven, almost eight, the scrapbooking doesn't take place as often. Anything in our lives that we spend a lot of time doing for a season might be changed by something else that comes into our lives. Our lives are changed forever because of different circumstances. Maybe it was a job offer that changed your location. Or maybe it was going to college for the first time. Or maybe it was going back to college. Or, or maybe it was going on a mission trip. Or maybe it was having kids. I remember a time in my own life, there was, I spent a lot of time playing video games. I didn't grow up with video games. In fact, my first uh, console was uh, the very first Nintendo, and I got that when I was 19 years old uh, when I went to college. And uh, I, I, I spent time playing some video games, and for a time in my life, I would stay up late into the evening playing video games, or I would go over to a friend's house, and we'd set up consoles and TVs, and we'd play against each other. And of course, now you can play online, and, and, and I I spent a lot of time playing video games, and that wasn't necessarily good or bad. It was just what I spent my time doing at that season of my life. And as my priorities have changed, I spend less and less time playing video games. You see, video games have become one of the lowest things on my list of priorities that I want to spend my time doing, and that is what Peter is getting at here. You see, when you are so on fire for Jesus and when you see what Jesus was willing to do for you on the cross, then our priorities are supposed to change. No longer should we continue in the selfish, sinful desires of our flesh, but because of the suffering that Jesus endured for us, we should be living lives according to God's will. Jesus promises us that we will deal with suffering as well. You see, as you look at these first verses, it's talking about Jesus' suffering, and then it talks about our willingness to take on that same attitude and be willing to suffer for Jesus as well. It's easy at times to want to give up, 
In fact, I was talking to a friend that I officiate with here in Casper, and he's brand new this year, and he talked about how he's been enjoying it, but then there's times where he goes home, and he just doesn't want to ref anymore because a coach chewed on him or someone from the stands yelled, or maybe he missed a call or two. And it's easy to want to give up when it comes to officiating basketball. And it's also easy to want to give up when it comes to living out your faith for Jesus. Because there's times where you miss a call or make a mistake and someone might yell at you or someone might call you out and say, what kind of Christian are you? And, and sometimes it's easy to, to just get down on yourself and Satan uses that against us. And we want to give up at times. But I want to encourage you to stick with it. As Aaron Prose talked about a couple of weeks, to, to this idea of our first love, to remember our first love, to be sold, sold out for Jesus, that we're willing to suffer for our faith, that we're willing to get rid of the sinful lifestyle that was in our past. And now I'm not saying that if we suffer for our faith that we're going to become perfect, that we're never going to sin again, that we're never going to miss the mark again. But what I am saying is that if we have truly surrendered our lives to Jesus to the point that we're willing to suffer for him, that we have that same attitude that Jesus had, then naturally we are more likely to live according to the spirit and not the flesh. And that's exactly what Romans 8 verse 5 tells us. Romans 8 5 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. See, Claudius recognized that in order to follow Jesus, he would need to let go of a pagan lifestyle. The New Living Translation says verse 3 this way. It says, You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness, and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. What life of past sin have you left behind? Have you left behind some of these things listed here in verse 3? Praise the Lord, for many of you, you can say, no, that's not part of my past. But as I look at the end of verse 3, I read this idea of detestable idolatry. And I would say for many of us here today, each one of us can probably say at some point in our lives, We've put other things in front of our relationship with God. We've made other things a priority instead of putting God on the throne of our lives. The idolatry that we battle in Western Christianity is more often a subtle idolatry of various things that compete for our devotion. It may be sport. It may be materialism. It may be family. It may be success in the business world. Take note of what controls your thinking. What is your default focus of attention? 
I often in my own life think about what do I spend my, most of my time researching online? What do I spend most of my time online doing? Is, is it checking out Facebook and, and wanting to know what's going on in everybody's lives? Is it researching a pickup truck or is it researching an idea behind what uh, you know, might be something that would be fun for my family to be a part of, a vacation? Or what, what, is, what do we spend our time researching online? Because that's usually where the most of our attention is, is being gravitated towards. The lifestyle that is written about by Peter at that time is a lifestyle that many in our world still struggle with. Claudius recognized that in terms of that style of life, the time is long past. He had sinned more than enough. And it was time to move on. What about you? Is it time to move on? If we're going to leave our past behind, then according to these verses, because of what Jesus was willing to suffer for us, we must stop living a lifestyle of sin. And at times, we're going to have to ignore those around us. We're going to have to ignore what the crowd is saying around us. If we're going to leave our past behind, then if you look at verse 4, we're going to have to ignore the crowd. You see, it talks about This idea of you've spent plenty of time in the past doing what the pagans have been doing. And then verse 4 says, these individuals, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. And they heap abuse on you. For Claudius, Jesus was not just one God among many. He could not claim to be a follower of Jesus and continue with his temple practices. This was what his friends could not understand. Sure, it was okay to follow a particular deity. Many people followed different Greek or Roman gods. But why do you have to be so exclusive? And why do you have to stop living the way you used to and and cut ties with everyone? They just didn't get it. And the New Living Translation says verse 4 this way. It says, of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. And the picture is really sad if you think about it. For one, the idea of former friends, because they don't understand your new relationship with Jesus, Pagans running and plunging into a torrential flood. And but this is not just a this is not a flood of water, it's a flood of indulgence and wickedness and depravity. And if you think about the idea of a flood, floods create a mess. The cleanup effort after a flood is immense. And floods damage people's lives. People lose their homes and a lot of times they're just left with whatever clothes are on their backs. Floods are more dangerous than they can look at times. We've all seen videos or images of people that are trying to cross a a flood zone and they get swept away. Floods also overtake the unsuspecting or the unprepared And wickedness and sin are no different. Sin creates mess and it complicates people's lives. 
Sin damages lives and rarely does it only affect the person committing the sin. Sin also overtakes the unsuspecting and is definitely more dangerous than it appears. And our friends are surprised and upset at times when we aren't willing to continue in that flood of sin. And for many of us this morning, we're people pleasers. We're people pleasers and and we want people to like us and and we want the friends that we have. And and so at times we, we give in to the sin that those around us are involved in. And it's not just the teenagers that face peer pressure. It it continues on as you get older. You see, peer pressure is still peer pressure whether you're 18 or you're 80. But we can't allow the people around us to dictate our life choices. There's an old fable that has passed down from generation to generation, and, and it tells of an elderly man who was traveling with a boy and a donkey. And as he, as he made his way into the first village, those in the village saw that uh, this, this old man was just leading the donkey and the young boy was walking behind. And, and the townspeople said the old man was a fool for not riding the donkey. And so to please these townspeople, he climbed up on the animal's back. And when they came to the next village, the people said that the old man was cruel to let the child walk behind the donkey. And, and he was up there himself. And, and so to please them, he got off and set the boy on the animal's back and continued on his way. In the third village, people accused the child of being lazy for making the old man walk. And the suggestion was made that they both ride the donkey. And so the man climbed up on the donkey and the boy was there and they set off to the next village. And in the fourth village, the townspeople were indignant at the cruelty to the donkey because he was married, made to carry two people. And the frustrated man was last seen carrying the donkey down the road. And we smile, but this story makes a good point, doesn't it? See, we can't please everybody. And if we try, we end up carrying a heavy burden. And that's why we need to remember that the one we must please above all others is Jesus himself. And we do not need to be pleasing those around us. And the way that we please the God that we serve is by obeying his word. And so the question for us this morning is, have you carried any donkeys lately? You see, you don't have to if you're trying to please Jesus. God calls us to be God pleasers instead of people pleasers. Galatians 1.10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of men? Or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. We are willing to ignore the crowd at times, but at other times, it's a struggle to ignore our friends and our family members and what they have to say. But I want to challenge you 
who are we really living this life for? At the end of the day, who will we stand before? At the end of the day, who are we trying to truly please as followers of Jesus Christ? And my prayer is, is that we're living for God. And if we aren't already, I pray that we start living for God. If you look at these last two verses, verses 5 and 6, it's this idea of the fact that those who are heaping insults on you, those who you need to just ignore, they're going to be judged for their lifestyle. And the fact that in this world, it's easy to begin to try to judge one another. But at the end, it comes down to our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with God and what will take place and who are we living for. And so in verse 5, it says, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. If we are going to leave our past behind, we have to move forward in the right direction. We must start living for God. And so many times in our lives, we know that we need to get rid of sin in our life and we work hard at that, but we forget that we need to fill our lives back up with the things of God and surround us, surround ourselves with the people of God and spend time in prayer with the God of the universe. In fact, Matthew 12, 43 through 45 is a parable that has this concept in mind when it says, When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. And if we're honest with ourselves, at times that we kind of get our lives in order, and we get our houses swept clean, and we get the sin out of our lives, It comes rushing back at us unless we spend time filling our lives up with the things of God. You see, if you notice in that verse in Matthew, it says, the spirit returned and found the house unoccupied. It was clean. It was swept clean. It was in order. And some of the times in our lives, we can get our lives in order. We, We think we got it figured out. But we forget to allow God to occupy every aspect of who we are. And the temptation of that past sin becomes overwhelming and and then it comes right back into our lives. And so if we are going to truly leave our past behind, it's going to take a willingness to really put into action a lifestyle that is pleasing to the Lord. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a familiar verses for many of us, but they're verses that give clear direction on how to go about living for God. 
Verse 1 of chapter 12 of Romans says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living sacri- as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So my question as we begin to close out our time together for each and every one of us today is how much time do we spend a week being transformed by the renewing of our minds? How much time do we actually spend in God's word? How much time do we spend in prayer with the God that we serve? And on the flip side, how much time do we spend filling our mind and heart with the things of this world? If we're going to leave our past behind, then it begins by getting rid of our past sinful lifestyle. We're going to have to ignore the crowd around us at times, and we're really going to have to put forth the effort to start living for God. Some of us this morning have been really able to relate to Claudius. Converted from a non-Christian background, left behind an ungodly lifestyle and even an idolatrous lifestyle. And you may be the target of some abuse and insults because of that. God wants you to expect that this will happen. Ignore the crowd and keep living For God, don't give up. Choose every day to trust in him and he will help you do his will. And others of us may have been raised in a a Christian environment. We still realize that that there are pressures to conform to the world around us. In a culture that can be hostile toward Christianity, we need to expect tension and ridicule And be prepared to follow the example of Jesus in the way we conduct ourselves and in this world as we prepare for eternity. And so as the praise team comes this morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation, a song of commitment. And maybe you've been struggling to leave your past behind. You've surrendered your life to Jesus, but your past keeps coming back. If you need prayer this morning, we invite you to come as we sing. Maybe for the first time, you need to surrender your life completely over to Jesus. You need to lay your past before God and say, this is not the life I want to continue to live. We'd invite you to come as we sing this morning. Will you stand with us?